0: what's going on everybody welcome to the behind the glass sports podcast we thank you guys for tuning in hopefully you had a great weekend a great holiday week last week and uh, are ready to dive into some Denver sports before we get to the Broncos and their latest uh, implosion should I say Jerry Judy dropping the ball pun certainly intended Uh, we got to talk some Denver Nuggets because they're they're, they're another team right now that's kind of Kind of struggling right now, riding the struggle bus, and to do that, we bring in our friend, Ryan Blackburn, uh, site manager of the Denver Stiffs. Ryan, my man, what's going on? How you doing?
1: Not much, guys. Uh, I'm not riding the struggle bus. Had a uh, Had a good time with the holiday, uh, but um, I'm certainly doing better than Michael Malone, who is, I'm sure, stressing about an 0-2 start.
0: You know, I always mention it to Brandon, and some, one of my favorite things about Malone each year is because you can count on at least one time in every game where the team makes him so angry that he just has to look up to the ceiling, and he's he's just like whispering to himself, and that vein in his <laughs> forehead is just pulsating, and I just oh, imagine yeah. him saying, just woosah, Michael, go to your happy place it's fine. Just call a timeout. Uh, but no, I agree with you. They're they're zero two. You lose a heartbreaker to to Sacramento in a game in which you probably should have never even been that close with that team. Although Sacramento's, I mean, to start they've been playing teams pretty tough. I think they're what two and one, three and zero. So they're doing well themselves. And then you come out against the Clippers team who. You know, for for a lack of a better term, that was really the Clippers Super Bowl. I mean, they were so motivated to win that game and to prove everybody wrong that what happened in the bubble was kind of a farce. And uh, I I like to use a 2K term. They cashed all their whites in that game. I mean, they were making every and any (laughs) shot that they were throwing up, no matter if it was an and one, you know, Serge Ibaka tossing something up over his head or, you know, Zubats or whoever it was. I mean, they just got killed all night. Uh, what were your initial takeaways, I guess, from from last game and really the first two games? Where are you at with this team right now?
1: Uh, well, I think this team is very new. I think this group is is entirely different, honestly, from from the group that the Nuggets had at the end of last season, at the beginning of last season. Uh, out go Jeremy Grant, Torrey Craig, Mason Plumlee. In comes uh Michael Porter Jr into the starting lineup. They've tried to work him in. Uh Isaiah Hartenstein has done a good job of replacing Mason Plumlee, but he's been up and down. Uh and you, we haven't seen Jamecole Green yet. He's he's been injured for the past couple of games and I'm sure that they're they're rearing to get him back in there so that they can see what he what the team looks like with him in the fold, but it's been really interesting to watch this group and try to figure out and navigate the beginning of the season that they had a motivated Kings team come into the come into ball arena and really uh, take the energy from them from from the outset Uh, the Nuggets knew that they were better than the Sacramento Kings and they had to have 26 things go wrong at the same time in order to lose to them by two and lo and behold I think all 26 of those things happened in that game uh, but against the Clippers, they they weren't really ready. They weren't ready to defend the perimeter, and the Clippers were very motivated to score. And that's what you see in a game like that, where a motivated team comes in, and despite what the Nuggets wanted to do, the Clippers just made all of their shots, and it made things really easy for them.
2: Yeah, you know, th- this team, Mike Mullins came out and said it, th- th- this team wants to run a lot more. They want to shoot a lot more threes. Um, take away a lot of the mid-range shots that they were taking, and it's either layups and dunks or threes. Um, do you like the the offensive system that they're they're going towards, or do you kind of do you think they'll kind of revert back to what they did last year, slowing the pace down a little bit more, playing more of a defensive um style with with this group?
1: Yeah. See, I think. This group is never going to be an up-and-down team. Uh, Despite the fact that Michael Porter Jr. flourishes in that sort of system, uh, Nikola Jokic does not. He will like to kick the ball ahead, but he wants to run offense and he wants to look for a great shot as opposed to settling for a good one. That's what happens when you really raise the pace, is oftentimes you don't get a great shot when you ultimately take it. Uh, the Nuggets are a team that likes to look for that A-plus quality look as opposed to settling for a B-minus look in with with 20 seconds on the shot clock, 18 seconds on the shot clock. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. will do that. And honestly, I really do think that that gives the rest of the team a little bit of a headache. So it's going to be a balance between when when they can ultimately trust Michael Porter Jr. to start to take those shots a little bit more frequently. And and when Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Michael Malone, and everybody in between with, when they can really appreciate and understand and like fully, fully comprehend the value of those shots and getting that up and not necessarily having to run consistent offense, every single possession down. uh, I'm looking forward to, to them finding that balance, but it is super early in the year. Uh, they they started 0 and 2. They should be one and one. If it was one and one, then I think a lot of people would be less concerned than they are right now. Uh, but because it is 0 and 2, and because they did lose to the Sacramento Kings, people are stressing a bit.
0: Yeah, and I, I think too one thing for for Nuggets fans who may be maybe panicking, like I'm my my antenna is raised, but I'm not concerned. I mean, you look around the league. I mean, look, listen, the Bucks just got wiped off the floor last night by the new york knicks by 20 so i mean there's good teams around the league i mean dallas i think was oh and one or oh and two i think they're one and two or one and one and one one of the like there's teams around the league that are struggling i think for a lot of those teams that went deep into the playoffs too i think you're going to see them struggle a little bit especially those that played in the bubble in the playoffs so the Cavs uh, are three and oh that right that's everything i just think right now we just need to be patient no one should be panicking, but I think there are things that should be like oh, that's that's interesting. We should keep an eye on that. And and you mentioned Ryan MPJ, and I'm just going to go here. Listen, I love the guy. I think he has the talent that could possibly put him among the top 10 in the league uh someday if he develops it and gets to his ceiling. But now that I've seen him in in a in a decent sample size, There's things about his game that I'm just I'm just concerned about. And I think part of it, too, is they didn't have a long enough offseason for him to really hone in on certain things. Um, And also, I think part of it, too, is the offense he plays in. You know, he's not necessarily the main option. You know, there's a lot of times where he's standing on the opposite corner. And especially when it's crunch time, it's it's Murray and and Jokic's two man game. But some things that I've seen with MPJ is there's not. and, And tell me if you agree with this or maybe an explanation on this. One, he has terrible hands. I just think he, he always seems to bobble the ball, fumble the ball, and... Um an alley-oop to him is almost impossible. It's like he's got to get his his Lob City badge in 2K to like gold before he can catch those and throw them down. Um, his handle is a bit loose at times. He gets stripped a lot. I've noticed that, at least particularly last year. And then also, when you look at his offensive game, there's not a lot of diversity to, to his game. I don't know if he just doesn't have that or if he just can't use it, uh, which one it is. But if it's not a contested three, an open three or a dunk or a layup, there's nothing really in between. There's, there's no taking guys to a post um, and working in the mid range that I don't really see him break guys down off the dribble and blow by guys very much. I mean, what, what, what do you think about those observations? Do you agree? Am I, am I overlooking things? Am I kind of uh, exaggerating things? What are, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think, It comes with the proper evaluation of who Michael Porter Jr. is. And I think a lot of people have comped him to Kevin Durant when the, the logical comp, I think, especially for this nuggets offense is clay Thompson. Uh, Clay Thompson for the golden state warriors is always a guy who would run around screens, would try to free himself open on the perimeter. And if he had a sliver of daylight, he would let it fly. Uh, He'd work the back cuts. He'd get on the offensive glass or, He'd do some of those things, but uh Michael Porter Jr. is more in that same mold, especially for the Nuggets right now. They haven't really opened up his role so that he can create off the dribble like a Kevin Durant or go to the post and do some ISOs. Like that's not really in the playbook for him right now. It's not necessarily that he can't do those things, but they have certain things that they've practiced and in the offense, in in what the Nuggets have decided to run, Jamal Murray is the primary creator off the dribble. Nikola Jokic will operate from the post and from the high post and from the top of the key, and he will maneuver his way all around the middle of the floor. Uh, for those other three guys, there just isn't a lot that they are being asked to do right now other than space the floor, cut, and create a, a one-dribble pull-up here and there. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is playing that role really well. He's one of the guys that I think needs to space the floor and needs to be in the six to seven uh, three-point attempts per game range every single night because he is such a threatening outside shooter, and you'd like to see him continue to space the floor in that regard because it helps out the rest of the offense. Um, With regard to off the dribble stuff and post-up stuff, I think that will come. I think it, it's only been two games, and we just haven't seen the full extent of what they plan on doing with him. But I do think that it is coming, and that once they rotate uh, some of these some of these guys, and once they start using him more as a first and second option when when Jokic and Murray are off the floor, then we might see some of that.
2: Yeah, let's let's get to Jamal because the going into this. I, the, the bubble, obviously, he, you know, he kind of put himself on on the map nationally. A um, lot of expectations. Uh, he, you know, signs a new deal with New Balance. He's on magazines, blah, 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 blah. Um, and he comes out shooting, uh, well, terribly in, in the Sacramento game. One of nine, 0 for 5 from 3. Uh, he did get to the line seven times or, well, seven free throw attempts, uh, and he made all of them, and against the Clippers, again, started out slow, um, he, he got some uh, buckets late, but still finished 9 of 20 uh, from the field, only 23 points on 20 shots, five rebounds, only three assists, what, you know, with with this, with this offense, obviously, Yoke just played great, but. They, I feel like they go as far as Jamal takes them, but I, I just, I don't. I'm starting to kind of doubt if Jamal Murray can be that all star level player. Um, Why? Just consistency. I, I, I don't. I just don't see it. Uh, I now, obviously, it's been two games, and I, and I understand that, but even in the playoffs, you know, at I get he's a young player, and I've been given that excuse for the last three years with him. Um, but at this point, i I feel like he's hit that age and that year where things should start becoming consistent. This is that this is that that really big grow-up year where at least with a lot of other players, this is usually that year. um you know, when you talk about other all-star players. It's no longer being a sixteen four and you know four and five type of player it's if you wanna you know if your goal is to be an all star and your goal goal is to be a great player in this league and and consistent um he needs to in my mind he needs to be showing it this year um so uh, am am i i guess am i being a little too harsh am i um Am I overreacting a little bit too much with these first two games? Or, you know, are my concerns, I guess, on, on the right track?
1: I think you're jumping the gun a little bit. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is shooting 30% from the field right now in, in his mm-hmm. two games. And so it, it's not just a Jamal Murray problem, it is a young player problem who happened to have one of the worst games in his career uh, against the sacramento Kings, and it was the season opener weird stuff happens during the season opener pretty much every single year he came back against the against the la clippers it looked really bad at the beginning but he showed that towards the second half of that game that he does have the ability to get hot again and i think he's going to just have to like he's he's going to have to prove that that latter half is what he's going to be for the rest of this for the rest of the season. Uh, I think that he hasn't proven the consistency factor yet, uh, except for the playoffs, which let's be honest is is a lot more important than it is the the regular season. But uh, once once he gets into that rhythm, and I think he will start getting into that rhythm, then we'll see a different version of Jamal. Uh, he said that he took a lot of time off during this offseason. He had a really difficult playoff run. Uh, yeah. He had 19 games carrying this offense on his back for a lot of it. He had to go up against the, the jazz with, with Rudy Gobert and Royce O'Neal went up against the Clippers with, he, he was, he was the one getting hand checked the entire time with Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, guys like that. Uh, and then he went up against the Lakers and, was definitely the best nugget in that series. Let's be clear. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he evolves and how he responds to a couple of pretty subpar game, like one subpar game from him and one atrocious game from him uh, over to start this, to start this year. That's going to be the really big difference for me. I think his defense has been pretty good. He did a nice job against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on Christmas uh, I thought that against the Kings he he had some stuff go right some stuff go wrong but for the most part I thought he was good. Uh it's going to be interesting to see how it develops though because you're right. He does if he wants to be an all-star he has to be consistent. He's heard that uh Michael Malone has told that to him every single day basically of his career. Uh his dad has told that to him. The world has told that to him it's on him to, to start figuring it out. And I have, I have the utmost confidence that he will. What he did in the bubble, only like, a, only like 10 players in the NBA could do. And, and when you reach that threshold, when you reach that level, I just don't think that you go backwards from that.
0: Yeah, and I think if there's any guy you can at least count on, you know Jamal at least has the right mentality to attack it. He's going to give it everything he has to, to reach that consistency. And I, I had to laugh, Ryan, because it, last year, and really for the majority of the past two years, I mean, Brandon and I have been on stark opposite sides on this. It's usually me that's been like, listen, man, I'm worried about the consistency, and Brandon's like, just just give it time. So I'm kind of surprised that Brandon's already here after two games. I feel like, ah, just give it some time. Well, the,
2: your the games. reason yeah the, the reason why again. though is because the last two years and see when when we've talked about this i've always said like you know for me it's it's that it's that year where you're 23 24 like I, you know and and i would always tell you you know especially last year i was like you know this year i'm not really concerned about that um but next year that's where I'm gonna start to really watch it, and right. you know that concern will will rise. And, and so that's where I'm at. You know, this is this is a big year for him in my mind because, and I get it, he's still only 23, 24. You know, he's gonna be 24 in February. Um, so I, I get it, but at the same time, you know, this is especially with where this team is at. This is a big year for him, uh, and this team needs him to be consistent sure. every single night, especially in this western conference um so i'm I'm raising my expectations, especially with what he did in the playoffs. I'm raising my expectations a lot more i'll
0: this I'll, year. S- I'll say this I think. I think it's funny that we're so on opposite sides now. Uh, <laughs> I think the reason why also it, besides it being just two games, right? I think this is just a weird year. It's mm-hmm. not a normal offseason. It, it wasn't a normal playoffs. They had, what, 80 some odd days between uh, opening night and and them getting, you know, defeated by the Lakers in game five. So I right,
2: think but for Nikola Jokic is averaging a triple double. Sure. Uh, sure. Per game. So you know, if, if you're if you're a star in this league, if you want to prove you're a star in this league, I mean, I, I really don't don't care how difficult it's been. Um but other I'll, doing it, I'll say this then,
0: though, with do. Jokic, he a lot of his game too is back to the basket type stuff, and still you gotta make the shots. I get that. But I just think it was it was a it's a weird year. I'm willing to give Jamal this season. Um and Ryan, I think part of us for me at least, I don't I don't need Jamal to go up and average 30. I don't need him to average 40. I don't think Brandon does either. I think that's just unrealistic. I mean there's only only the Kevin Durant's, the James Hardens do that. Um for me, I just just give me 21, 23. Matt I'll, I'll even take 25 but like 21 well, to 23 I'm not even at that point. I just want you to shoot better just sure just be I, I mean shoot. his splits will be fine I'm not worried about his his shooting stats per se I just at at eventually when we're when this season is done I would at least like him to somewhere be around that 21 to 23 and like four to six assists is that is that reasonable to, to say or ask of him Ryan of course I think
1: that he he'll be right there uh it, he might he might have games where he's under that. He might have games where he's over that. but And that's just kind of the natural flow of the NBA, especially in this iteration of the NBA, where the Nuggets also have Nicole Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. and Will Barton, who are all like, they can all score. They can all put up points in bunches, and you don't necessarily have to be a 25-per-game guy if you're Jamal every single night. Sometimes he'll have to put up 8 to 10 assists. Sometimes he'll have to put up just six shots but make sure to move the ball and maybe maybe that's against a team like atlanta where where they have a a weakness at center right now or or it could be against the kings where you you have rashawn holmes at center and and marvin bagley and hassan whiteside who nikola Jokic eats for breakfast like it sometimes it's not always going to manifest itself into big individual stats uh i do think that Jamal will come back around. He just needed to see the ball go through the net a couple of times and now he's good. Now he's ready. He'll be fine.
0: Um, Speaking of seeing the ball go through the net, there's one guy on this team that just can never see it go through the net. And I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Gary Harris. I mean, listen, it's, I don't want to say love hate because I don't hate Gary Harris. It's a love disappointment relationship. Like I just, I want him to do well, so bad, but the further and further we get away from that year in which he averaged 17 and that was his peak year. It's just tough. And I think part of that is obviously the injuries and, you know, him missing time. And then now he's dropped down from not only like a, maybe a second or third option. Now he's like fourth or fifth. So the shots he does get, it's not a lot. Um, But when he does shoot it, I mean, he is open, right? Like these guys, they're giving him space. Gary's not taking a lot of contested shots. I mean, it's, it's missing floaters. It's missing jump shots. I, when do we need to have a serious conversation? And I get his defense is, is great. uh, I want to say this too. I had a conversation on Twitter with a guy the other day who said that, uh, Jamal Murray and Gary Harris are the worst backcourt in the NBA. Uh, I just thought that was hilarious, but, uh, when do we need to have these <laughs> the <hell> said that? <laughs> yeah, yeah he I, he was like who who are they better than and I threw out well I was like well for sure like the Knicks Cleveland Orlando, like all these type of teams and he he gave me stats on why he would take those guys over them and I'm just like dude you're you're nuts like I get Gary struggling but listen they're not a they're not the worst backcourt in the NBA um but when do we need to have the serious conversation about Gary Harris and maybe moving him to the bench. Is that something they could do because his defense is so valuable? Is that something they could do? I mean, where are we at with Gary Harris? Because it's, it's like a, um, the elephant in the room that a lot of nuggets nation knows is there. Um, but I don't know if the coaches are willing to openly acknowledge it.
1: Uh, yeah. So the nuggets had this conversation in the off season, they wanted to go after drew holiday they did their best to go get him they didn't want to give up three first round picks and a bunch of other assets in order to get drew holiday and and his expiring contract so so they they didn't go for that deal and and they then turned around and tried to look for trades for gary harris and they didn't like what they found on the market because everybody is uh relaying what you're saying gary's shot is kind of broken right now and people don't know what to expect from him going into the season. Well, he's 0 of 6 from three to start the year. Uh, had a couple of mid-range pull-ups that went in. Had a couple that went out. Uh, he's attacked the rim really well, and and that's something that you like to see. But from the shooting guard position in a Jamal Murray Nikola Jokic offense, Michael Porter Jr. is basically playing the shooting guard role right now because Gary Harris is he can't like he he's in that position where. The Nuggets need more from him. They absolutely do. And right now, Jamal Murray is being asked to guard his position. Michael Porter Jr. is being asked to guard his position. The less that the less utility that Gary Harris has on the defensive end, combined with the fact that he's zero for six from three, I really worry about his spot in the rotation. I'm not sure when it's going to be called into question, and if the Nuggets are struggling, if that's going to be the thing that that really they decide to change, but. Will Barton has said that he wants to be a starter. Michael Porter Jr. has to be a starter, in my opinion. I don't think that you're benching Paul Millsap. Uh, I, I tend to think that starting Gary Harris is, is something that the Nuggets have already considered mixing, uh, given the fact that they explored trade opportunities for him in the offseason. Uh, Denver's got so many guards right now, and, and if you move Gary Harris to the bench, then things become convoluted there as well uh p j Dozier's played well, monte Morris has played well. They'd like to get faco Camposo more minutes uh I don't know what Gary's place on this team is unless he is the starting shooting guard, so take for that what you will if he can't do that role, then the nuggets are going to be in a really tough spot with him
0: yeah and and just a quick follow up to that too i just if even if you move Gary to the bench i I worry about who's going to score off the bench, you know, because I mean, you're bringing in, you know, Hartstein and, and Monte who can obviously score, but I mean, outside of that, I mean, you're going to have to stagger some minutes, wouldn't you? I mean, you're going to have to, at a certain point, and I think I saw, I think it was Jeff Morton tweet this out. Um, at a certain point, you're going to have to either keep there, there should never be a time when Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic are not on the floor. And even if they do move Gary to the pen, the bench like that, that, that has to happen. One of those guys has to be out there because I just don't know where they would, they would get scoring from.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. It's a, it's a thing that really good teams do, and you try to maximize the time that your stars get uh, with the ball in their hands. And it's a good way to get Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray more opportunities as the first option as opposed to Nikola Jokic. Uh, those guys, I'm sure, would, would love to have their individual touches and if Will Barton is in the starting unit as opposed to the bench unit, then maybe he's the guy who staggers onto the second unit and you just kind of go forward that way. But I, I like the idea of staggering stars of of trying to maximize the number of touches that each of those guys get every single game. Uh, right now the Nuggets are dealing with, with usage rate issues where because of the Nikola Jokic style of offense, uh, Gary Harris is getting a lot of opportunities. Paul Millsap is getting a lot of opportunities and, comparatively than what they probably should be getting uh, Jamal Murray and and Michael Porter jr are not getting as many opportunities as I think that they could so I like the idea of staggering Michael Malone isn't going to do it right now because the nuggets have a bunch of guys that they need to play and they need to figure out who they are as a team before just immediately cutting guys out of the rotation so I think that you're going to see 10 man units still you're still going to see 10 man rotations but uh we'll, we'll We'll wait to see on that. I think that's probably coming uh, by game 30 or so.
2: Yeah. And and more on that, because my concern is if you do take Gary uh, and put him on the bench, it it really depends on who you're bringing up to the starting lineup, right? So if you bring Will up to the starting lineup, you're going to have no scoring coming off the bench. So you can't do that unless you move Porter back to the bench (laughs) and then you bring someone else back up. So, you you just can't you, you can't do that. But what if you brought Monte Morris up to the starting lineup? You put Jamal at the two, uh, because he can be a an a, a two guard, he can be a shooting guard. You give him more uh more scoring uh options, you bring him off more screens, you let him be off ball a little bit more, catch and shoot. Um, and then off the bench, that backup point guard position, well, you have a lot of point guards. PJ Dozier can play the point. Composite, you're trying to get more minutes, so you can just give him, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. PJ is playing great, Um, and you still have Will coming off the bench with those guys. Is that could could that work, or do you like Jamal being at the at the at the point?
1: I can see it. Uh, I think that it's it's going to be interesting to see. I like the idea of playing your five best players, and right now I think it's it's also it's honestly possible that PJ Dozier is is up there with with mm-hmm. the guys that you're looking for. Uh, he's probably the guy that I circle on this team and think, okay, maybe he should be the one who is the nominal starting shooting guard next to Jamal, next to Michael Porter Jr. Uh, because he's not going to take a lot of shots but he also has the the skill set and the ability to defend his position handle the ball shoot when he's capable or shoot when he's open and then he runs the floor Uh, but with monte i like that too because he can free up jamal a little bit for for some of those extra ball handling duties i think the first three that uh jamal hit this year was coming off of off ball movements he kind of curled around the baseline grabbed a grabbed the pass and and immediately caught and fired and, and hit a shot over, I think it was Kawhi Leonard. So I think that it's very possible that you might see some two point guard sets. Uh, I like that idea, but I also just like the idea of, of mixing some some things up because I, I just don't know what you're getting from Gary right now. And I, I struggle to, to think about what, what that actually looks like. So I, I think this game is this game uh, tonight. They're going to play the Houston Rockets. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Gary Harris does against James Harden, and that will kind of set the table for whether I think he should be in the starting lineup or not. Uh, if not, then it's things get a really, really really dicey. Like, it could be Monte. It could be Will Barton who comes in. It could be, like, some people would, would say Faku Kapaso should come in. I think it should be P.J. Dozier. Right now, they're, the Nuggets still have a lot of great options, and that's really killing them
0: yeah and when you look at compasso too i mean it looks like we're, we're very far away from that preseason out like debut when he was throwing sidewinder passes and like oh look at compasso's defense and then the minutes he has been out there it's like ooh, he's really not doing as good as, as we thought he would so it's gonna be interesting to watch that uh where are we at with bull uh he got early minutes the other night uh that was kind of shocking Obviously with your Michael Green uh, injured and I, I don't believe he's going to play tonight. Does this give Bull Bull a chance to, to earn some more minutes? Uh, where do you think the team is at with Bull Bull and, and what what his minutes will look like as we get deeper into the season?
1: Well, I, I you, you guys saw the game on Christmas. I think it's it was uh, it was really tough. It was it was a tough look for Bull Bull in that game. He did get an opportunity to come in for Michael Porter Jr. Play that backup power forward spot. Uh, it was awful. Like he he really, really just did not know where to be. Uh, didn't get any shots. Uh, he didn't protect the rim. He didn't rebound really well. Uh, the Nuggets just looked lost when Bol Bol was out there because Bol Bol was lost when he was out there. Uh, that's probably the main thing. You're going to see a lot of Michael Porter Jr. rookie season style uh, rotations with Bol Bol because he isn't in the primary rotation. And I don't think the Nuggets trust him to be. And he doesn't really deserve it at this point uh he has to be an impactful rebounder uh, shot blocker rim deterrent in order to be on the floor uh if he's going to get back cut by terrence Mann on the baseline and and just he terrence Mann fires up a slow dunk and bull bull just watches him while he does it then that's going to be a problem the nuggets can't have that they they have to value those bench minutes as much as they can because that's one of the reasons why they lost that clippers game because they didn't have any potency off the bench. And Bol Bol is supposed to offer that potency on both ends of the floor. Uh, maybe it was just first game jitters. Maybe it was a combination of other factors. Maybe the Nuggets didn't utilize them enough. Uh, but I still think that they, they don't really know what they have with them, and they would love to figure it out. They would love to think, hey, Bol Bol could be a guy for our future, and we, we really like what we've seen from him. Uh, I think he's incredibly talented he just has to figure out what he is and what he needs to be for this team in order to really provide some actual impact.
2: Yeah. Let's, you know, let's, let's get to some good, uh, with the nuggets because I feel like all we've been talking about is bad. Um, Nikola Jokic, uh, he's, he, the last two seasons, uh, for whatever reason, uh, just the first two months of the year have just been terrible with him. Um, He's now averaging in first two, in his first two games 26.5 points per game, 12 rebounds, and 12 assists. Um, can Nikola Jokic average a triple-double this year?
1: Uh, he could. I, I I wouldn't put it past him to average a triple-double. I think there will be times when Denver isn't in a contested game where he's going to throw up a 10-7-7 a stat line, and it's going to drag down his numbers, but the Nuggets win by 25 anyway. Uh, I, I think people need to recognize that this team is really good and Nikola Jokic is really good and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are really good. And they're going to get this thing back on track. And Nikola Jokic is the main reason why. He, he came into the season in shape, ready to go, very engaged. Uh, he got married this past offseason. He looks great. He's, he's in the right mental headspace tr- to try to get this team going the right direction. Uh, I've really liked what I've seen from him. He's very vocal out there. He wants to be a better leader than he has been in the past. And I think that's a really good sign for a team that needs leadership to step up. It needs their young guys to assert themselves and become actual leaders. Uh, I'm looking forward to this growth from from Nikola Jokic. And maybe that involves him averaging a triple-double. Maybe it just involves him directing traffic and, and trying to figure out, okay, how can I best impact this team? whether it's through my stats, whether it's through getting other people engaged and getting them ready to go. He's one of the best in the league at balancing that. He knows exactly what his team needs at that very moment. And he, I'm sure, really wants Gary Harris to get going. He wants Paul Millsap to get going. He wants Michael Porter Jr. to figure out what the hell Michael Porter Jr. is. So uh, we're we're, we're going to find out whether he can do that, whether he even wants to average a triple-double. I think we know that if he wanted to do it, he would I don't think he has a real desire for a statistical benchmark like that's hmm. that's where I'm at with this like he he doesn't necessarily feel like he needs to be that level of player in order for the team to be successful if he did, if that was one of his goals, then he would achieve it. He's that good of a player,
0: yeah, that's how you know you're you're great when you when you're you're so dominant that you can you can control when you can be dominant, and I still feel like. If, if you ask Jokic, like, hey, would you prefer, you know, Jamal or MPJ to be the guy on this team? I think he would willingly hand the keys if he could. Uh, but still, he's a guy that, you know, could go drop Thirty on your head and average triple double and and make you look silly because he he looks like a, an oversized YMCA player just cooking you out there every night. Uh, Ryan, Not last anymore. one.
1: He looks like an Adonis now. That's I a, can't even. That's one I, of the one of the storylines. He looks he's skinny Jokic. It's great.
0: I can't even make fat jokes anymore. He and he and <laughs> have been working out together apparently, and and Vlatko looks like a you know a Greek statue over there. Uh, last one for me. One of my biggest concerns about the bubble and everything we saw in that, particularly in the playoffs, and and specifically with Jamal Murray, is will that carry over into quote-unquote normal playoff format? And I get it, it probably won't be normal this year. There's probably not going to be any fans um, at those games, and if there are, it's not going to be the usual packed house. Do you think what we saw in the bubble is kind of an anomaly or do you think that that can translate that's a good translation over to what we could see or should see in the playoffs you know would if if it was a normal year and we didn't have the bubble would jamal have exploded for that you know what obviously you can make the argument with the nuggets have even gone down 3-1 to utah probably not but I'm just I'm just worried that what we saw in the bubble is going to create unrealistic expectations. Do you do you think that as well or, or do you disagree?
1: Oh, well, let me pull up Jamal Murray's playoff numbers from the previous year. Uh, he averaged 21, five and four on 42 uh, percent from from the field, 34 percent from three in his first playoffs. Uh, he was up and down that year this past year he progressed. He went to 26 and a half per game, 6.6 assists, 5 rebounds, uh 50% from the field, 45% from 3. I think you can look at that 45% from 3 number and think, okay, maybe that's a little bit high. Maybe maybe he's not going to be prime Steph Curry from from three point range again. And and that was a a a glow up moment from, from Jamal and he was completely locked in. And I I think that's a, has a really tough thing to ask of anybody. He, he had the most three pointers made in the playoffs of anybody in the entire NBA. And that's a, that's a big, that's a big stat. That's a big, really impressive threshold from Jamal. Uh, Do I think he's going to do that again? I, I think it's, it's probably not, but it doesn't mean that the rest of his game didn't progress. He averaged 26 and seven, basically like that, that playmaking uh, the ability to balance his own personal shooting with the, with the direction of the offense by having perfect synergy with Nikola Jokic. Does that feel like that's going away anytime soon? No. Once he gets locked in, once he studies a team for a couple of games, he, he clearly was locked in in the second half of those series in each of those series from the Clippers From the lakers from the jazz he was a guy who once he started to figure out how they were going to defend him how opposing teams were going to guard him he was able to navigate that perfectly i don't think that changes from a distraction from outside of the bubble he's going to be locked in if any anybody you talk to about jamal is going to say that he's one of the most focused he's one of he's a gamer he's a guy who wants to kill you if you are the opposing team that i don't think is ever going to change. I really do seriously think that Jamal Murray, one of the best players in the NBA, when it comes to raising their game in the playoffs, I have zero zero reason to think that he won't continue to do that. Do I think he'll shoot forty five percent from three again on high volume? Maybe not, but could it be forty two percent, forty three percent? Yeah, I think it could. I don't see any reason why not.
2: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Last thing from from me, Um, what should our expectations be? After seeing the first two games, what should our expectations be for the rest of the season and going into the playoffs? As far as do you should we expect them to be a top three seed this year? Does it matter? Do we really care what seed they are this year, or is it just about matchups? Um, and uh, you know, expectations are just about where they get to in the playoffs, or should we expect them to be a top three seed? Uh,
1: with regard to seeding. I don't know if I necessarily want to put a number on it. Mm -hmm. What I do think that you want to see from this group, the most important thing over seeding, over anything else is figuring out whether Michael Porter Jr. Can be part of a big three, whether he can coexist with Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic at the same time, whether those three can carry the offense going forward. I think that they can. I think that it's going to take a little bit of time to help them figure out each other. I think that they all want to figure it out. Uh, We heard that from Nikola Jokic on Christmas. After the game, he was asked about Michael Porter Jr. And he said, we're still trying to figure out how best to use him. And I think that's true. I think everybody understands that Michael Porter Jr. is this incredible talent that they need to figure out and they need to navigate that situation as best as they can. Uh, It's going to take some wins off of the overall total, trying to figure out how best to use him. But it doesn't mean that they won't be exceptional during the playoff period where jamal murray nicole Jokic, and michael porter jr are, are all coming at the opposing team they're all trying to figure out how best to attack that group and how to win a playoff series based off of their own individual and team matchups um, will it manifest itself into a top three seed i think so i pick them to be the top seed in the west is that going to happen is are they going to figure that out is, is it going to take too much time to figure that out Maybe, but by the end of the season, I think that they will be a top three offense in the NBA for sure. I think that they're going to have to figure out the defensive end and whether they can lock in on that end. In addition to the offense is going to determine that with, they could be a four seed. They could be a one seed. I think that they will have home court advantage. That is that I can definitely say.
0: Yeah. And I I think um, if you ask any nuggets fan, at least most nuggets fans, I would think if you want to sacrifice some wins in the regular season, but you get, mpj to to find his fit and that flow to be built i think anybody would take that i'll take that and listen if, if we have players that you know kind of i don't want to say coast but you know get through the regular season and, and raise their game in the playoffs which we know Nikola Jokic does uh you mentioned the numbers with jamal murray and it seems that he does that as well listen i'd rather my guys perform well and at their best in the biggest of moments than than not so uh ryan we appreciate your time man we always learn something every time you uh hop on with us i didn't foresee you having to walk brandon off the ledge a little bit with jamal murray but (laughs) i'll take it anytime we can do that so uh shout out to ryan blackburn of the denver stiffs uh you got anything coming up that we should be aware of any podcasts any articles that people should be on the lookout for
1: uh, we we have the uh, we have a weekly podcast schedule on Denver Stiffs. Uh, so the the Denver Stiffs podcast network releases a podcast on Monday through Friday every single week. So we're gonna try to uh, keep that going. Uh, I, I should have an article coming up here Monday morning pretty soon, and we're gonna we're gonna go through that. But other than that, just tune into DenverStiffs.com dot and, and follow us on social media, and it should be good.
0: All right, man. Well, there you go. Check it out. Whether it's the podcast or the articles, Ryan Blackburn, you can follow him on Twitter at Blackburn. I highly suggest that. Ryan, thanks, man, and uh, we'll we'll catch up with you here soon.
1: Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks again to Ryan Blackburn for stopping by. Always appreciate his time. Um, I think everything he said there on the Nuggets, I, I think you know, for anybody that had the expectation that this team was just going to come out the gate firing was probably a little bit misguided, um, given, you know, the Jeremy Grant loss and, and some of the new pieces. I mean, anytime you have to break up the rotation and fit new guys, it's, it's going to be a struggle. So I'm not worried about Owen 2. I don't think you're worried about Owen 2. It should really be one and one. Um, yeah. but you know, I mean, if, I don't want to put it all on Will Barton, but hey, Will, if you if you don't go casual to the bucket and just dunk that, and you go up four in overtime, that game's probably over. But instead, he you know walks it up cute to to the to the rim, and uh, I think it was De'Aaron Fox. He blocks it, and then I mean the last two minute report they missed a travel on Harrison Barnes and a couple fouls on Jokic, and I'm just like, oh gosh. But um, I mean, listen. I'm not worried about it. They have the Rockets tonight, who the Rockets are coming off, at least James Harden. I don't know if you saw that game. I watched that Portland game. I mean, him and CJ McCollum were, they were going back and forth. That's one
2: question I forgot to ask, Ryan. I meant to. I wrote it down, and I never looked. Um, Just, you know, is James Harden really worth that trouble? You know, if the the Nuggets, say, come by the trade deadline, if the Nuggets are still struggling to kind of, you know, Porter isn't really fitting in to uh, to the to, with the team as well as you would want him to by that point. Um, and your bench is already kind of meh. I mean, is it worth it to just say, screw it, if the bench isn't good already, let's just go real top-heavy and let's go out no. and get James Harden.
0: I mean, listen, it, it's funny because each week it seems like James expands his trade list. He's like, oh, my preferred destinations <laughs> well, now he, include 15. He has 15. no control. He no, he doesn't. He's under he's contract has, for yeah, three he years. Has no years. So, so
2: any team should be willing to be like, all right, we'll take him for three years. Right.
0: And that's why it's, it was funny for him to stronghold, you know, strong arm <laughs> the Rockets. Like, I want to go to Boston or, or no, not but Brooklyn or Miami. And they're like, no. And he was like, okay, my list is now five teams. And they're like, no. And he's like, okay, my list is now 20 teams. Before you know it, his preferred destination list is going to be the the rest of the 29 other teams. Um, I don't – listen, he's – here's what I'll say about James Harden. Is Is he making a lot of fuss right now? Yes. Have you heard a lot about James Harden Prior to this season doing stuff no, like this? That's no. The thing. No, you haven't. Now things have come out that he yes, he's he's asked for special concessions and he's he's abused yeah. his power. Okay, well I mean, LeBron did that, and that was part of the reason why it didn't work out in the end in Miami. Okay, LeBron gets special privileges, too. I'm sure AD right. does. We learned that Kawhi and Paul George do. So I don't think it's some shock that the star player is getting special treatment. Now, do I think that some of that treatment, and you know, some of the things he's, you know, like showing up late to film sessions, and now I think that stuff can be kind of team impacting, and, and I, I would hope he would see that. But... When you have Fat James Harden come out and still give you 45 and 17, <laughs> I was like, "Man, this guy hasn't even—he didn't even have an off like he didn't like practice. He wasn't even at training camp. Oh yeah, that
2: crumble cookie out the whole day.
0: he's fat. He's really <laughs> fat. <laughs> he's coming out there dropping 45 and 17. I was like, "My goodness!" Like I—I I, I forgot who tre- I mean, tweeted it out, but they're like, you- "James Harden looks worth the trouble." To me. It,
2: so. right well and that's the thing are is he is, okay for you is he worth the trouble are you willing to give up mpj Bull, bowl will barton throwing gary for the hell of it i mean a couple first round picks whatever whatever <sighs> it takes to, to get whatever much. it takes to get james harden as long as he i i heard that houston went to denver but they want jamal murray so that's off the table Right? Yeah, you're not giving up Jamal Murray for for James Harden. No, Jamal Murray, MPJ, blah 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 blah. You're not getting rid of two of MPJ or Jamal. Um, but are you willing to give up one of them?
0: Well, and here's the thing with two with James. James is what he's 31 right now. I think he'll be yeah. 32. So
2: basically, what you're doing is saying your window is this year, next year, yeah. and maybe the year after, depending on if you win, because. I would say if that third year James Harden might want to get out, right? Yeah,
0: it's about so three would, to four I years. Say,
2: I would say you have a no. I would say you have a two year window. I'd say you have this year and next year.
0: Mm, okay, well that's that's fine. Okay, so two years. <sighs> Does James Harden put you over the top of the current iteration of the Lakers over Brooklyn with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic? I, I think it gives you a real good shot. The the real well, question it's going to do come down to are you willing it, to part with mpj that's a that, big one that's that's what it is um now <laughs> i mean am i willing to part with will barton yeah at this point am i willing to part with Bulbul? yeah um uh, ask me that in about 20 games well that's what i'm saying <laughs> I'm i
2: think the big thing is i think every team well you, if you're denver i think and and you're considering james harden the best thing to do is wait till the trade deadline right because that's when it's going to happen. More than likely mm-hmm. that's when James Harden is going to get moved at this point. Um so hopefully his trade value goes down a little bit to where you don't have to there to where they're not asking for Jamal Murray. That's number 1. And then number 2, you've got 20 games to see what MPJ can do or 30 games, however many games you got, right? If MPJ isn't giving you what you need him to give you and it's not and, and the situation with him fitting into this to this team is not progressing, then I would make the move.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, give me till about close to the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And now I would have to get assurances from, uh, if I was the nuggets, like I would have to talk with James and be like, listen, we need you to work here. Like we, we can't have right. this like me attitude. Like if you're coming here the goal is to win a championship. Obviously, you've been wanting to do that. It hasn't, listen, it hasn't worked out with Chris Paul. It didn't work out with Dwight Howard. Like all these guys you can name. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook, who you guys are friends. And Russell was like, ah, I'm good. Get me yeah. out of here. So Can't I would, work with Jokic. Right. So I would need, I would need some assurances from James. Like, what is, what is your mindset about? Like, what are you, what are you about here? Because we want to win a championship. And would you be worried about Jamal?
2: Because Jamal would be I would. The third
0: piece. Yeah, he would. He would be the third. Um, and, and Jamal, we know Jamal is he's not MPJ, like arrogant and, and confident. I don't want to say arrogant, but confident. He's not very like open about that. But Jamal has pride to him. All right. Like yeah. Jamal, Jamal, knows, especially coming off the playoff run. He did he, like if I was Jamal, I'd be like, why do you feel like you need this guy? Because, you know, when you get James Harden, he's not coming in to be your two or right. coming in to be your three. Um, unless he like come out, comes out and says that, which I don't think he would, because James Harden is, is one of the best players in the league. So would I be worried about Jamal? Sure. And maybe that's a situation where they well, would have to go to Jamal and be like, hey, this is what we want to do. You know, <laughs> you're not okay, going to please everybody. OK,
1: so.
2: well, then here's the thing. What do you just say? OK, fine. Let's trade Jamal.
0: Yeah, I'm not doing that.
2: If we can I'm keep MP, if we can keep MPJ, because hmm. essentially James Harden is just an upgrade off off of Jamal. If you're if you're saying a a natural two guard that's playing the one, because I think that's what Jamal is, oh, that then would be so you're essentially you're essentially taking, you're essentially saying well because here's my thing with James Harden and what Houston has done with James Harden. It doesn't make sense to me where where they've paired him with point guards, right? So that to me, I think James Harden would work really well with the big, like Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid. Um, so pairing him with the Jamal, I feel like it would clash more. What if you could get rid of? What if you were to trade Jamal and say, um, you know, Barton, whatever, and keep MPJ?
0: Oh, see that that would probably fit better. But what if what if what if by oh. the trade
2: deadline, Jamal still inconsistent and MPJ, you're seeing some progression.
0: Well, if, if 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 Jamal is inconsistent, do do you even do the Rockets even bite on that? Well, they already know
2: But they already know. Jamal's inconsistent.
0: Sure. Well, yeah, but I think there's still some recency bias with what he did in the playoffs and maybe teams and, and everybody else is feeling like, OK, maybe he's turned a corner. If we get towards a trade deadline and Jamal's still, you know, averaging you know, he's having his 30 yeah, point but explosion, I, I think, but 17 I think and 12 Houston
2: would still take sure. Jamal for. I, I think that's the best deal you can get around the league. Yeah. You know, you're not going to. And if I'm Brooklyn, I sure as hell aren't giving up that the depth that they have. Like if right. I'm Brooklyn, I'm I'm good. You're already the best team. Well,
0: you're good. Now, with the news of Spencer Dinwiddie, it's going to even if they did want to make that. You know, that trade that that makes it a little bit harder with him partially tearing his ACL. And I'm assuming he's going to be out for the rest of the year. Right. Uh, I mean, listen, if you're telling me and it sucks because I don't want to part with Jamal, I'm banking on he's going to figure it out consistency wise. But if you're telling me, listen, you could trade Jamal for a guaranteed 30 point per games. But now also too, if to play devil's advocate, you could say, hey, listen, Jamal elevates his game in the playoffs. We've seen at yeah, times James Harden that. has disappeared in the playoffs. Right, right. So that's an argument, too. But it's James Harden who <laughs> like I, I would bank more often than not that he's going to show up big time. No. I don't listen. Let's let's it's have this tough. conversation in 25 no. games. All right. Let's all right. <laughs> Let's let's talk right. about that, because right now well, I, w- we'll I would say no
2: week by week with this thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah right <laughs> now, I would say No. But listen, if we hit the, and I don't even know when the trade deadline is. Um, when we hit the trade deadline, if the Nuggets are, yeah, they're good, but they're not great. And Jamal is is being Jamal from the past couple of years. Then I might be like, you know what,
2: do it. It's March twenty fifth.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, March
2: twenty fifth. Okay. You'll probably get out thirty to thirty five games.
0: Okay, so if we're sitting at like. 20 and 15 after 35 games, then I might be more willing, but also it depends on how it looks. Like if Jamal looks great and they're just losing for other reasons, then, you know, we just have to wait. We just have to wait and see, but it's enticing because James Harden is a, is a top five player right now. Like Right. right now, that's a guaranteed 30 right now and now you you'd also be sacrificing that chemistry and and who knows how Jokic would take that right because Jokic oh. loves Murray so that's another thing you'd have to worry that's another aspect to this would would Jokic's personality gel with James Harden and you know would if you were somehow able to keep MPJ would that gel i mean we know listen Malone would have it. he would die on the court with James Harden not playing defense at least Jamal Murray gives some effort i mean James Harden yeah i don't know there there that'd be a major shakeup, but that would be an all-in move for the next two years to win a championship would nuggets fans be okay with that would you be okay with sacrificing the future outlook for right now and there's a good chance that it may not happen right i don't know it's an interesting conversation though um but they got the rockets tonight should be an interesting game um, I saw someone tweet out Christian Wood can't guard Jokic and Jokic can't guard Christian Wood. So this is going to be real interesting. And I agree. Um, Christian Wood is a, a hyper athletic seven foot big guy who can stretch the floor, um, and Jokic is well, he, he's Jokic. So um, he he bullies just about everybody. So we got to get to this Broncos game before we we wrap things up.
1: Real hey, quick,
2: I want to I yeah, want right to get to because uh, everyone's retweeting this. Um, Drew Locke had one of his best games all season yesterday against the Chargers. Uh, according to the PFF, um, 77.5 grade, uh, his, uh, before that it was, uh, his, um, well, I don't know what the, before passing grade is 75.0 passing grade. That's the season high. Kay. And everyone's retweeting that like, oh, that's a good thing.
0: Well, can I just say this? <laughs>
2: That's not a good thing. <laughs> That's well, not a good thing. That, that a game in which you couldn't score in the first half against yeah. one of the worst defenses in the league, that you had your best rated game? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's not good. Well, and I'll take it a step further. What do, when does Drew Locke have his best games? Have you noticed the theme here? When does, when does Drew Locke have his flash against games? Against bad teams. Exactly against bad team now the outlier is that Houston game right from last year they were a playoff caliber team then at that point but they were coming off of right exactly right, you know, like, let's but but that does count um but I will say this the Carolina game uh every other game you know the now now would drew Locke have had probably arguably his his best day of the year yesterday if Jerry Judy doesn't drop 14 footballs probably. Yeah, I mean, he dropped a touchdown well, pass. He
2: dropped. See, uh, here, here's well, here's where I will not necessarily disagree because yes, obviously his numbers look better if Jerry Judy catches the damn ball. But, um, and and I saw this tweet out. I don't remember who tweeted it out. Um, but let's say okay. So let's say it was five drops, right? That Jerry Judy
0: had. <sighs> it might have been more than that. Might have been like six. I, or I seven.
2: believe it was. I believe it was five. That's what I at okay. least that's what I heard listening uh, to the game. Okay. Um. So Drew Locke went twenty four of forty seven. So good. let's 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 say let's say Jerry Judy catches the, the five, right? Uh, right? then he has he's twenty nine of forty seven. Barely over fifty percent. Right. If you're a good quarterback in this league, your completion percentage is sixty
0: five. Right. Well, and part of that too, like Drew Locke uh, missed throws yesterday too. Like it wasn't just Jerry oh yeah. Judy dropping the ball. It, like Drew Locke still Jerry, missed throws. He had,
2: he had two overthrows to Noah Fant. One of them would have been a touchdown. And he had, uh, I don't know if you saw it uh, or you remember this play, but it was, uh, it was a uh, a sideline play or a sideline route uh, to Tim Patrick. He ran an out route.
0: And, I don't remember that
2: one. And the ball went, it was way short and wide. And Tim Patrick, after the, the ball just landed you know, way outside and and, and just five yards be, uh, bet- uh, before he, it could get to him, Tim Patrick just like went – and by the way, no pressure, none of that, so don't give me all those excuses. Tim Patrick just lifted his arms like, what the – what was that, dude? I'm right here.
0: Right. Well, the one like, that sticks out to me is the Deshaun Hamilton one. I don't know if you remember that one, but it's in the middle of the field. And it's a scramble yeah. drill, and Drew Locke dirts it like three or four yards now. that's a tough throw to make. But I think I think he had time to set his feet and deliver that one. And that one's so it's not yeah, it's, it's not that. just
2: a drop. Right. You know? Judy and didn't
0: didn't just drop yet. Like Drew Locke actually did miss passes yesterday too. Which and is and by the what way, everyone see.
2: killing Jerry Judy. Look, I, I get it. You can't have five drops in a game, but you know, everyone's like, oh well, you know, they picked the wrong receiver. I mean Justin Jefferson is probably great, but but no one thought that Justin Jefferson was a top fifteen pick. So let's get that out of out of the way. Other than that, C.D. Lamb leads the league in drops. So you know it's a it, rookies drop the ball. It, it happens. You know, I Cortland Sutton had a lot of a ton of drops his rookie year. Um, you know, D.T. always dropped the ball. It, it wasn't even just his rookie year. So you know it, it happens. Obviously, five drops in one game looks really bad but I'm not concerned about Jerry Judy. No. Uh, and I don't and to think be fair, we, he hasn't had a lot of opportunities all season. So he hasn't had a lot of practice.
0: Right. And for those who are <laughs> already out on jet, like I'm, I'm like, listen, was it a bad game? Yes. Um, yeah. I'm not out on Jerry Judy. Uh, I think we, we still chose a great wide receiver. Uh, let's not forget that most of the season, like drew lock has been airmailing like a pass, a game at least to Jerry Judy, uh, over his head. That could have been, and like Jerry still has like 600 and some odd yards. Like imagine if he caught some though. He'd probably be pushing 800, 900 right. yards right now, and then the feel is completely right different. Exactly. And then the feel is different. So he had a bad game. Uh Drew Lock still missed passes yesterday. I thought Drew Lock played solid. I don't I don't think they lost because of Drew Lock, but I don't think they won or, you know, could have won. Like if they if they wanted to win it, Drew Lock had to play better. He didn't play his best game. Um, and neither did Jerry Judy. Well, according to PFF, and, he did, well, well, which, right. which is not,
2: which is, which is not a good thing. I see. I mean, I don't know if uh, like I went down my timeline cause I saw Cameron retweet it. And then I saw a couple other people retweet it. Like, this is a good thing. This is not a good thing. This is, this is, that's, that's not, <laughs> I don't know why people are retweeting that. Like, Oh yeah, this is great. Like, yeah. you had zero points in the first half against, a team that's by the way giving up twenty eight points per game.
0: hmm Yeah. So well, people just, are just they're searching for optimism right it. now. I mean, it's still a bad football. Like Vic Fangio's defense, I mean, hey, where where were you guys yesterday? <laughs> you know, I mean, at least late in the game. Where were you? So, listen, we got one game left. Um and I'm we know Vic Fangio is reported. You know, Cliss and Troy Rank, guys like that, have been reporting it for a few weeks now that that Vic Fangio is going to get a third year. Schefter comes out before the game yesterday morning, kind of validates that and says Fangio's job is safe. He's not going. Which, anymore.
2: by the way, it, it's not because he's a better coach than Vance Joseph. I saw this tweet too. The Broncos' average margin of defeat in 2018 under Vance Joseph was 8.1. Uh, the average margin of defeat this season under Fangio is 16.7. Yeah. Take away the saints game is
0: 15.25 well and anybody that that like says and i was having this kind of Fanshawe back and forth is not a good coach. right well i was having this back and forth with with cam yesterday our guy and he never answered me back when i asked him because i think he knew i was ready to fire the stat the doc that i have um because he was like uh you know the the team and, and the coaching is more competent under vic fangio and i asked cam and i was like well okay would you say that statistical ranking um, and he mentioned all three phases being more confident. I, I, like, I was like, well, would you would you say then that statistical rankings within the league uh, at least is some measure of competency? I mean, he never answered me back. But uh, the reason I say that, and it, it, it shouldn't measure all of it, because with with stats come context and all that stuff. And obviously, VJ didn't have his, as many injuries this year in his second year as, as Vic oh, does boo-hoo. this year. Right, but it, it's context. But if you look at VJ's stats, his offense, his defense compared to Vic's, the majority of it favors VJ and Vic will only finish with maybe one more win. Other than that, they have the same record right now, I think, or, or Vic may have one more no, win right Vic, now.
2: Vic, no, I think Vic has a worst record. Uh,
0: I, I think they're either tied or he has one more win.
2: They, they've got to be tied then because yeah. I, that Carolina one, I think, I think they're tied. They might be tied, but I'll say this because, and I, I said hoo about the injuries and the reason why, um, the, uh, one of the teams that has more injuries than the Denver Broncos, also has one more win than them, the San Francisco 49ers. And they're not getting the doors blown off of them uh, every week. So, you know, they're not being embarrassed every week. Yeah, they're I mean, actually playing tough against some really good teams. And, that's, that's, and, and they, have a, they have, I think, a tougher division.
0: Every excuse that, that Broncos fans give... Oh the injuries well look around the league everybody's injured everybody's had you know yeah. covid protocol now have the broncos gotten the short end of the stick when it comes to covid stuff i would say so because now you're seeing teams like have covid outbreaks but there's their guys can play and well, and the they don't, they're not forced to straight play a wide receiver at quarterback and stuff like that uh but listen when it comes to injury everybody else like you mentioned san francisco they have injuries well drew locks in technically this is his first full season oh look at look at justin herbert and the guys on the broadcast were talking about that yesterday and they're like well with justin herbert you know or or with drew lock he's had new coordinators and he's got a young offense well okay listen justin herbert had a new coordinator new head coach new team his wide receivers may be vets but they're still new to him he oh, still so has this, to get the chemistry down
2: yes right guess what brandon allen has just as many flash games hey. as Drew Locke does this hey.
0: year hey <laughs> i saw a throw he had to t higgins yesterday i was like did we let yeah, go of the yeah, wrong yeah, guy
2: <laughs> yeah no that's that's the sad part brandon allen who started what three games here yeah four right. has just as many flash games quote unquote flash games than drew Locke.
0: right now I'll say this.
2: Or as
0: you. I think I do think Locke is taking baby steps. I do think that. I do. Um, am I still on the enough. train of well, right? No, I agree. But I, I do think there is some credence to him improving. But it with Locke, it's a it's a situation where it's like we take one step forward and we take two steps back. He has a great couple throws, and then there's a stupid interception. Uh, he has a great throw, and then there's two missed passes. Or he fumbles it. The The Broncos have had a turnover in every game for multiple weeks, like a full season now, I think, of games where they've had a turnover, and a lot of that is true luck. So, listen, they're all going to get a third year. And I hope, as much as I, I'm paying me to say it, I hope Shermer is back next year because if you're going to bring back Vic, what's the point of preaching continuity and consistency and, oh, we just need to get the chemistry down if you're just going to fire the OC? That defeats the whole purpose to me. I'm already on just focused on, Okay, you know what? Locke is going to be back. Fangio is going to be back. Hopefully that means Shermer is going to be back. Run it back for another year draft bpa um because right now you're at 10 so they hey listen there's still a chance all right we're, we're yeah, here wait. <laughs> seven
2: and nine next year again
0: Woo! and hopefully they prove me wrong you know what oh. i i'm gonna be more optimistic starting hey, today can go get Dwayne haskins that i did see that he was released um <laughs> i think i'm gonna be more optimistic okay I'm gonna believe Broncos fans and and the other people, the media that are more pro Broncos, you know, positivity than than me. I believe you. Locke is gonna turn around next year. The offense, you know what? They were dealt a crappy hand. I'm you know what? I believe you, okay. I think this will be a wild card team next year. I'm gonna stand here today and say it. I'm gonna no, believe I, it. I don't. all right I, I'm gonna no, put my you, face got,
2: in. you had a bad head coach.
0: Yeah, no, you got a
2: not very good offensive coordinator. Um, you got a defense that isn't clutch, and you got a, a below average quarterback All at right. best average.
0: That's that's where I was, but you know what? I'm gonna choose to be positive. You got a lot of talent,
2: but you don't have the 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 a lot of the a lot of talent that you have is not in the most important places, sure. and that's the issue. Sure. Well, now that's but. how you're gonna go seven and nine every year because you do have talent. You you have talent. You have enough talent to win six, seven, eight games. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not in the right places, so right. that's why you can only, you can only win six, seven, eight games.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm expecting because now 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 I'm gonna hop on the pro bandwagon. All right, now I'm gonna be positive. I'm oh, gonna I'm, I'm gonna buy you guys now. Jamal Murray, you're. I Jamal Murray,
2: you're. Uh, you're defending the Broncos or whatever you're doing with the Broncos. I'm not defending.
0: I'm I'm just listen. I've been told all year that you're negative and it's I'm the waiting.
2: injuries. I'm 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 ex- half expecting you to say Middleton is just as good
0: as Paul George. Well, well listen, listen. After after that 50 point beatdown, I mean, I might have to rethink who's the great value and who's the brand value. All right, That's, <laughs> I might have to rethink that. But listen, I've been told all year that it's, oh, injuries and COVID and this is locks. First, we'll see. They just need the consent. Okay. All right. I'll buy it. Okay. Because you know what? I did think that before this year started that this could be possibly an eight and eight team, nine and seven wild card. You're telling me they're going to get all that back? Okay. All right. I'll buy it. I'll buy. Slide me a cup of Kool-Aid. I'll drink it. All right. But listen, I'm going to tell you here right now, if this team does this again next year, I don't want to hear anything. I don't want nothing. I want an apology. I want <laughs> written statements for all the slander I took. I mean, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll believe you guys. OK, what you're telling. I'll believe you. But listen, well, I
2: mean, I'm enjoying all this slander I get when I say something on Twitter, because right. I know in a year I will be retweeting the hell out of everything. Um, but real quick, I do want to get to Chris Middleton. Uh, 27, 14 and 8, 31, 4 and 5, 22, 4 and 5. That's his numbers this year.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, What's their record this year? One and two. Hey, so.
2: hey, that's 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 not on him.
0: <laughs> that, that sure as hell is how it's not I, on him. I think that goes to show you that when it's Chris Middleton time, it's losing time. When it's not Chris Middleton time, it's winning time.
2: Hey, at least they didn't get beat by fifty in the first half.
0: <laughs> okay, but they also lost by twenty to the Knicks, though. So that that should equal well, fifty, <laughs> okay? <well. laughs> so I mean, if you get beat by the Knicks by twenty, then that that has to that should count for two losses. They
2: should be two and one. They should be
0: two. Well, and one. they shouldn't suck they, more than they, the Knicks. They though.
2: lost that first game to Boston. That uh, the lucky yeah, bank the, shot. Yeah, the bank That's shot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well. I mean, don't, don't be bad at basketball and you'll win he's more games.
2: 20, he's averaging 26, seven and six
0: yeah. this year. It's because Giannis is taking a break. He's just, he's just easing. <laughs> oh back yeah. In.
2: Giannis taking break averaging 35 and 13. Great.
0: <laughs> he's just easing back in. Um, all right. Before we, uh, we wrap today's show. Uh, it's so funny how, how just the turns that we've made here, you're, you're like heel on Jamal Murray. I'm like, well, uh, let's go. I,
2: Jamal. I actually want to get to that real quick because. Okay, go ahead. My expectations, like I said a year ago, and even during the bubble and all that, my expectations are much higher this year. He, like it's, for, like in my mind, this is the year, and this is the year for for most stars in, in the league. Uh, you know, when you're twenty, when you hit that twenty-four age, and he, he's not twenty-four yet, so I guess I can give it to February. Um, but expectations are a lot higher, especially with what he did in the bubble. Um expectations are higher. So I'm gonna hold him to that standard now. I wasn't holding him to that standard like a lot of other people, and maybe even you, uh, you know, last year and, and the year before. Um, but I I will be holding him to that standard this year, and I'm gonna be watching it every single game. Last year I was like, eh, in the consistency, I'm I'm fine with as long as we see improvement in the playoffs. And we saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's it's time to do it in the regular season, and and by the way, the the other reason too is he's saying he wants to be an all star. He uh he showed what he showed in, in the bubble. But also, you signed this big deal with New Balance. You're on magazines. You're on. You know, you're doing all of this stuff. <laughs> right. You're. You know, expectations should be high now. I. I. I don't care. Like,
0: it was. It was a really bad look when the the title like a film oh, yeah. on the cover of Slam was like, wake up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Jamal Murray's here. Yeah. I don't know if you <laughs> yes. saw my tweet, yeah. but I was like, huh, okay, where where was this tonight? Like that. You know. So. Right. Look, I, he he's got a. You know, especially in that Sacramento game, it wouldn't have been so bad if he struggled for most of the game. But at the end of the game, he put up, you know, 10 points in the fourth and overtime, right? He didn't. He had, he was one for nine and seven of seven from the free throw line. And, and he fouled out. He to the free throw line and he fouled out. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it, it, the the thing with Jamal that I've always said, yeah, he's inconsistent, but he shows up when it matters. He did not show up when it mattered in that game. And that's why I was so frustrated. Uh, and I get it. First game, short offseason, he was one of the players throughout the league that was kind of like, yeah, I don't really like the short offseason. Um, so I get it. But you're in the season. You got to show up. The, this team, you're own 2 now. So expectations are even higher in my mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, you that's a 180. I'm over here like, ah, listen, I'm going to... I'm well, gonna chalk yeah, he's it up to five now. No, it's is. five. Let's is. go. Well, that was my argument last year. He's four years in. Well, um, see,
2: i i give a I give a four year buffer. Okay. I, right. I don't give a five
0: year buffer. Right, it's, yeah, it's you know, we wake see that. up. <laughs> you to wake up now. You're a hard bargain. It's like you're you're the parent that once once it's midnight on your 18th birthday, <laughs> pack <laughs> right, it up. Exactly. Let's go. Exactly. That's that's you right now. I'm like, all right, you know what? It's fine. I know you just started your new job. It's okay if you're a little late on the rent. You're like, nope, get out. (laughs) Eviction. Now I'm listen. I I think we're two games in. Has he struggled? Yes. Have I been disappointed? Yes. I'm going to give him some time because I think it's a weird offseason. It's been a weird transition. I think he'll get his legs under him. And, and we know that Jamal was very unhappy with the limited amount of time off that they had. Uh, he yeah. was very visibly angry about that uh, on media day. And the media noted that. So I'm going to give him some time. But listen, once we get like 15 games in and, you know, it's if he's not if he's not bringing in every night, then then I'm like, OK, what are we doing? So um, that's that's where I'm at with Jamal. So we'll, we'll see how play out there but before we close it going into the final week of pick them uh by the way who do you want tonight are you gonna take new england take new england just be just take new england go ahead take them
2: no i'm taking buffalo okay i was hoping you'd uh that thursday night game was hilarious though
0: uh you mean the friday 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 Friday. yeah i was was i was feeling good it was like 31 20 and then it was like 30 to 27 i was like oh hey hey now (laughs) i was like wait a minute
2: yeah, for those who don't know, uh, Stephen texted me on on Friday, and he was like, "What's your pick? If you pick uh, Minnesota, I'll give you five wins for it." It's like yeah. a deal, deal, because As, it's Minnesota, yeah. and and of all the teams to do that, that was the worst decision you could have made. I mean, it worked out for you, but L- listen, I to immediately pick, regretted make it. Make that be Minnesota. Yeah, like once that, you said deal,
0: like, right. I immediately regretted it. <laughs> I was like, I wanted to text you and be like. Haha, ha, it also equals five losses if they lose. But I was like, that's not fair because I didn't include that in the initial deal. So I was, listen, once once Mid- once New Orleans was up like 11, I was like, oh, easy. And then I saw that the game was close and like literally my eyes did the eye emoji. <laughs> and I was like, hold on. I was like, wait, wait a minute. Don't like this. Where is this going? They were going to pull it out. So I'll take
2: yeah, that. Yeah, I, I didn't think Alvin Kamara would have a freaking... Yeah, game of
0: the six touchdowns he probably should have had seven honestly but uh they didn't want to give it to him but we come out of that uh i'm up 14 on you going into week 17 so you won. you won the week i did win the week by one game well yes because right, we both chose uh, that, minutes,
2: that minnesota game i
0: guess the well. minnesota one did you win, <laughs> and the the washington one did you win? oh yeah screw washington yeah well once i saw that they were starting haskins i went carolina i was like yeah i'm not i'm not doing that
2: so, see i didn't i didn't know that Yep. So yeah, and then that's that, that uh, yeah.
0: You got me on the Cincinnati Houston one because you know Houston Houston can't stop Brandon Allen, so that's good. Um but of course, so we I'm up fourteen, but we're going into week seventeen, and this is division week. So yeah, you
2: can't get to twenty.
0: Every game well, I mean I could if you I mean you could, but you're not. Oh well plus we still have the whole playoffs too though. So Right, but you're you're still not gonna get to 20. <sighs> no, I'm not gonna get to 20. But if I can hold a stranglehold on this lead, I'll still at least win the crumble box. And I'm tied in my work pickem as well. I had a two point lead uh, oh, early well, yesterday.
2: Yeah, you're blowing leads all over
0: the place. Well, I'm t- I'm still tied for first. All right, so <laughs> chill out. Okay, I was only up two. It's not like I'm. Uh, it's not like I blew a 20 point lead. So <laughs> I'm I'm holding on. I could make a clean sweep here. So. That's gonna be. Uh,
2: to be fair, we both have had really good years. You've had an insane year. Yeah, I, I think well, I've had a pretty good year. Yeah, you're
0: 145 and 92. I yeah. mean, you're, you're 50 games up. I'm yeah, any if, if I
2: were betting money on every game, I'd be up big. Yeah. So you know.
0: Well, I'm even better in my work pick. I'm like five games better in my work pick I'm like 164. I have 164 picks right. So I'm uh I'm shooting hot right now. I'm the opposite of Jamal. I'm I'm netting everything right now. Gary. Oh man. I hate slandering Gary, but it's just so I, bad I because he's my twin. But... Uh, well, yeah. But I mean, yeah, you guys do have similar hair. I get it, but <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I, I love Gary, man. I do. It hurts me. He's, he's what I would imagine. Like if you were a parent and you had like two, like really smart and athletic kids. And then your third kid is kind of dopey and, Uncoordinated, and you're just like, I love you, but yeah, yeah, just just (laughs) well, that's (laughs) what I feel like with Gary. It's like I love Gary, but then he shoots it and he clangs it, and I'm just like, oh gosh, Gary, (laughs) just but then he does stuff like play great defense, and you know he gets a steal on Donovan, like. Listen, they don't win in the playoffs last year uh, in the first round without Gary. They don't win a lot of games without Gary Harris's defense, but they also don't win a lot of games because of Gary Harris's offense. So (laughs) it's just it's tough to watch. I hope he and the thing is, like, Gary doesn't even need to be like back to 17 points per game. If he could just give them 10, 9, Gary, that's all like, give me nine, please. And he he just can't do that some nights. So it's it's tough to watch, but. We'll see. Um, We talked to Ryan Blackburn about it earlier. And listen, if he doesn't, and I, I completely agree with what he said. Like, if Gary's not the starting two guard on this team, I don't know where he fits on this team. Yeah. And and part okay. of that, too, is like Gary's been on the trade block for like three or four years now. <laughs> like, so. I mean, you got
2: to use, and, and it, it makes it difficult with chemistry, but you got to use Gary as like a, uh like a need basis, right? If you need him to defend a Donovan Mitchell, if you need him to defend a James Harden like tonight, then you need to either start him or play him a lot of minutes. Yeah. But other than that, I actually really like starting PJ Dozier. I like yeah. I didn't think of that because um in my mind I'm just I just want Jamal to be a, a two. Um did the the day they do that I'm gonna be so happy. You just don't Uh, get
0: a lot of offense either with PJ, though. Like, PJ's shot is inconsistent and uh, free throws aren't great.
2: Shooting better this year, um, I think he's, uh, both games, I think he went 3 of 5 with 7 points. (laughs) Like, identical. But the thing with him is he gives you better defense than Monte can give you. uh, A lot more length. And he can play multiple positions. Uh, So, he can kind of he gives you the ability to switch on a lot of guys yeah. uh so starting pj i wouldn't be shocked if we saw pj if, if gary continues to struggle i would not be shocked if pj dozier starts at some point for gary harris uh i i think it's just he's six foot six he can guard a one two or three even a four they're playing him at power forward gives you length he's a great passer can handle the ball he can play essentially point guard on offense and then defend 1 through 4 on defense. I mean, I I think he fits. If if you don't want to give up the defense with Gary, uh for someone like a Will or a, a Monte, then I think starting PJ Dozier does help you. I think he gives he gives you a lot more offensively, not necessarily shooting, but just handling the ball, being he can be uh, a a point guard uh alongside Jamal like, I just think that works a lot better um, on both ends, offensive defense. So, I like that. I wouldn't be shocked if, like, Malone loves P.J. Dozier. Like, he loves him. So, I wouldn't be shocked.
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, that could be a move that's made. I don't know. We'll see down the road. Um, real quick, though, have you been keeping an eye on uh, Jeremy Grant's stats in Detroit? No, I have not. He actually had his best game. Uh, in his five games if you or six games if you count the preseason. He had 28 and 10 the other night. 28 oh, 10 and 3. He man. shot really good. Played 43 minutes. They lost in overtime. Double overtime to Cleveland, but I mean there you go. That's that's what you paid 60 million for. Uh you didn't pay it for the nine games in the op- or nine points in the opener or 14 points, 15 points, eight points and six. Oh yeah, games. I
2: mean but that's who he's going to be though. Yeah. Um he's going to he's going to look. Uh, he he had one rebound. In the first game, uh with his th- ten. Ten the other night. Yeah, he had ten, but I guarantee you he's gonna give you three the next. Yeah.
0: It's just I saw someone tweet it out, but it was this is really gonna be a situation where both the team and the player lose here <laughs> because both were better with each other than without. So I don't know. Best of luck to Jeremy Grant, but it's just like ugh. they they could have really used him these uh these last few nights. But that's gonna do it for us. here on the I was about to say the Denver Nuggets podcast I don't know I was gonna say that might as well rename it to that with how much Nuggets we do talk this has been the behind the glass sports podcast we thank you guys for tuning in Brandon Stoll on the other side and Ryan Blackburn who joined us huge thanks to him as always I am Stephen Priest Jr. we'll catch you guys on Friday